Are you ready? Yes. Hello and welcome to Movie Grouch and Fanboy Podcast. My name is Bex. I am a big old movie grouch and here with me is everybody's favourite fanboy. It's Blake. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. If you have not listened to us before, you are very welcome here and you've stumbled across the podcast that takes a movie that I, Mrs. Movie Grouch, Hello. Have avoided watching for very stupid reasons. We have a watch of the movie, we have a chat about the movie, and uh, this is that chat for your listening entertainment. (laughs) Before we get stuck into this episode's film, we have a little chat about what we've been watching because sometimes we watch things separately. These two weeks, we have been watching things quite literally separately because we're living in different houses at the moment. It's never a dull moment here in Camp Move Grouch and Fanboy. So... Blake, what have you been watching? I just feel we should maybe put explain. a little explain as to why. <laughs> We're breaking up the bands. Because <laughs> you kind of left that and people might be like, what the fuck? Basically, Oswald had an operation and he's got to stop jumping up and sort of behaving. So he's with you and your mum and dad uh, yeah. out there, isn't he? Yeah, he's so a little bit easier just, to, to manage yeah. in a slightly bigger house yeah. with a much bigger, bigger garden. garden. So I am Oswald sitting with my folks and Blake is Isley sitting. Yeah, all on my own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's why. But what have you been watching? I asked you first. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was just quite excited to hear about the cat show. That's all. But we'll talk about the cat show. You've been watching. Oh, right. Oh, you go first. You always go first. Yeah, it's true. So this week, it's been quite fraught, obviously, with everything that's been going on. But I have managed to watch some uh, basketball, which has been very good. Nice. I've watched MasterChef The Professionals is back, which I kind of love, have a love-hate relationship with it. I don't really kind of like a lot about the show, but I kind of really enjoy watching it. And they've got a new judge. They've replaced uh, Monica Galletti. Okay. Another another chef. I forget her name now. She seems all right. She's pretty decent. She's better than Monica. She's a bit more like she's she seems to be a bit more bit more like strict. Oh really? Yeah, a little bit more. Monica was quite strict. Yeah, I think that's the point though, isn't it? I think it's kind of like the point of the show. Um, And it's yeah, it's fine. But I'm loving Bake Off. That's like my proper favorite cookery show i think so yeah that's it really not much movie stuff oh actually i finished gang to london series two as well which was okay it was cool but not as good as series one okay what about yourself i've actually watched loads so i've re-watched kath and kim like have you finished it now finished it now i really did enjoy that rewatch uh and i watched the da vinci code spin-off that they did I tried watching... Still with um, Tom Hanks? No, 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 no. No, they did a Kath, Kath and Kim Da Vinci Code spin-off. Oh, <laughs> did they? They did. Which oh. is quite funny. Like, is it like a film-length episode? Yeah, it's like a proper film. Is it as funny? Barry, is it Barry Humphreys that plays Dame Edna Everidge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He turns up in it. And I'm just always amazed, like, when we got to the bit where, like, Eric Banner was in it, like, actually in, in the show. Yeah, yeah. And then Kylie did a special appearance yeah. as Eponie Rye uh, and Shane Warne 
comes in at uh, the end okay. and plays a Shane Warne impersonator Brilliant. who can't play cricket. Amazing. Which it was really fun. Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, finished Kath and Kim. I started watching Kath and Kim Dorella, which was another film that I did, but that was quite polished and I couldn't quite get into that. And I had my dad going, oh, every time he opened the door and saw it was on the telly. So I gave up on that. Um, are they still making stuff now? Or are they kind if of they, done with those characters? If they are, it's I'm not aware of okay. it. But to be honest, I haven't really looked into it. Cool, fair enough. That's all right. Um, I've tried to introduce my mum and dad to some new telly, which is interesting. Such as? Afterlife. Oh, okay. Uh, which is pretty heavy going <laughs> for them because my dad actually has prostate cancer. So um, I'm not entirely sure it was the <laughs> right choice. Yeah, but... Read the room, Bex. Read the room. <laughs> I thought they might get something from it. I don't know. Maybe not. It was, I had quite an interesting conversation with my mum after it because my mum was like, this is not the comedy that I am used to. And she's like, it's so bleak. And I was like, yeah, but that's part of its charm. And yeah, it I was is. sort of like... It's it, very real. Think, yeah, and I think that first episode, you do end up seeing Tony and you're just like, what a dick. Yeah. But I think I still think the journey that he goes on throughout this series is really lovely. And yeah. it's one of those programs that you watch with like tears in your eyes. Yeah. Um, because yeah, either from so crying or from laughing so, yeah, as well. Like, yeah, it's you could genuinely... have flipped between the two. Yeah. We then watched uh, Inside the Mind of a Cat. Right. This is I'm very interested in this. This might this might be the longest part of the podcast. Oswald was very interested in that, but yeah. I think that's because he misses eyes. Yeah. So what's it about? It was about an hour, hour and ten minutes, I think, and it it was just kind of like a typically Netflixy American documentary, mm-hmm. but about cats right. and cat psychology and cat science, and apparently, like cat science is fifteen years behind dog. What really? we know about dogs, yeah, but do we know? Do they delve into why? Do they tell you why that is? Um, no, but I think that we're now like apparently they're. They're doing more research and they're now finding out that actually cats are as, not clever, but they're not as inferior to dogs as everybody thought they were. Um, And it kind of showed you how to like interact with your cats. Um, So they said like, if you go in to stroke a cat on its head, it might like, obviously like all its predators kind of come from above. So that could be quite startling for a cat. So you've got to like hold your finger out and wait for it to boop you finger really because that's how cats you know how like oswald goes for another dog's ass immediately yeah yeah. um cats like go nose to nose what to figure out to figure to to kind of they they go they greet each other by going nose to nose no way so if you put your hand out and your cat and the cat like boops your hand you you generally all right to go in for like the side of the face and a little scritch around the neck do they delve into the science of why at any time during the hours of midnight and five in the morning they might just go a bit batshit crazy and wake the household up yeah it's do they? called frap or farp or oh i can't remember it is a thing it's a, it's a recognized thing and they, they, they had a uh some i think they were mother and daughter or they might have been sisters but they're ukrainian they're in the ukraine and they train cats to do tricks and stuff right and they were on, like, they made it through to America's Got Talent and stuff. The cats were amazing. They do, like, high jumps. So they jump from, like, a really high point onto a pillow. They kind of, like, there was one bit where the woman was lo- lying on her back with her legs up in the air. 
and she was moving her feet like she was walking and the cat was like walking on the bottom of one shoe and then it would go on to the next shoe and then like she'd move her legs so she was it looked like she was walking and the cat yeah, was walking yeah, as well. Yeah. So yeah, they almost were like really a treadmill cute. Effect. Yeah, almost like a treadmill yeah, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, it was it was kind of fun. Yeah. It was probably not the best nature documentary that I've seen. Um, I will tell you something that really made me cry, like really made me emotional this morning that I saw as well. Um, I've started watching The Midnight Club, which is... Are we the skipping new... the crying thing? I'll tell you that in a minute. I'm going oh, right. to do it in order, otherwise oh, okay. I get confused. So I started watching The Midnight Club, which is the new drama on Netflix from Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. He did Haunting of Hill House and Live oh, Manor. Okay. And that I'm enjoying that. Clearly very different tonally to those two. Uh, Yes and no. I don't. I'm trying to work out if it's shot in the same house as Hill House. They've got um, a library which looks very much like the room that had the spiral staircase in in um, okay. Hill House. Yeah. Uh, and the upstairs part of the house looks very similar, but it and it's it's got a similar kind of layout. It's very creepy, and I'm really enjoying it. So it'll be good to see where it goes. Okay. Um, and then this morning I happened to catch the travel show on BBC One. Right. And there was a blind lady. I don't know if she's a regular presenter because I haven't watched it before. There was a blind lady who went to Nairobi on mm. holiday. Mm. Um, and it was incredible. There were people helping her cross the road, just like people, like just total members of the public, just yeah. grabbing her arm and saying, do you need to cross? I'll help you across. Um, there was a guy pointing out like broken paving slabs and stuff to mm. her which i thought was really sweet she obviously like, hired a guide who kind of like took around the marketplace and stuff like that so she was able to like eat all the like the fruit and veg nice. and things like that and she went on a safari and they had like two or three guys in the jeep with her and it was just incredible because she was like i haven't been able to watch a nature documentary in years because she said i can't i can't see anything but she was sat at one point with she was sat like in a jeep in the middle of the night with like a herd of buffalo just off mm. to the right of the jeep and a lion chasing no way going to attack the buffalo she was like this is incredible and the guy's like can you hear the buffalo and she's like yeah i can hear it this is this is amazing he said to her well there's a lion over here like just lying down by the side of the the jeep and she's like yeah i can hear her breathing she's breathing quite heavily and she said to him she said does, does she look like a lion from the lion king because she said that's the last lion reference oh. I have before a sight went it was just incredible and i thought like how difficult it must be if you're deaf or you're blind to you know to travel and experience different cultures yeah, yeah, and definitely. surely because you can't see stuff it doesn't mean that you're not interested yeah. and it was just really wonderful to see how just how some like somebody's story somebody else experiencing the world in a completely different way and she was uh, there was a bit where where i think the lines had got like a buffalo and she was like (laughs) hearing them kind of being ripped apart and she was sort of like oh the smell in some (laughs) ways just hearing it might be worse yeah the the noise she was like oh this is interesting yeah it's probably quite (laughs) horrific just hearing it it's like the minute one of your senses is deprived, isn't it? Yeah, but they're yeah, kind of like heightened. heightened. Yeah. But that was really, it was just really well done. And I think, um, yeah, it just made me stop and think about how other people 
That's really you interesting, and, in, yeah. and interact with the world, and I think that's always a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, it, no, that's really interesting because I mean, I don't know. You might want to edit this out. It might be too, like, not relevant. But I on I was getting I was on the on the bus home from work last night, and the bus was really full of assholes, like a lot of sort of. I'm going to say 17-year-olds, not quite 18, like not old enough to be drinking, but like clearly been out for like bonfire night mm. and all this. And um, so I sort of sat, not right at the back, but the seat just in front. And then in front of me was a deaf lady, but she's on the phone signing. And I was like, yeah, of course, that's how you would have a phone call. Yeah. You know, and like, thankfully, we can have video phone calls now all the time. And it's just yeah. like, it must be such a huge difference for, for, for people that do have yeah any of those kind of disabilities to be able to communicate whenever they can where you know at any time and it's like i just kind of got me thinking yeah yeah which also kind of brings me back to mike flanagan because his wife i can't remember what she's called played a deaf character in hush so I remember you told me to watch that film was fucking great. It was really, really good. Really liked it? that movie. Really good. Yeah. yeah. There's a little tip for you, yeah. for you. Hush. Yeah. Right. So that is that is a very Yeah, I've been watching a lot. I have That's been watching the, a lot. A bit of content there. I also started watching Mum and Dad have had stuff on, so we've been watching like old older stuff. I've watched a lot of rugby and a lot of Westerns vicariously as well. <laughs> My dad has some issues with the the remote control. My dad's very old school. He's like a like my mum said, he's a proper T V baby. So he kind of likes Westerns and sport and that's pretty much it. And yeah. yeah. Bless him. Fuck anybody else that wants to watch anything. Yes, no, you're not having it. <laughs> I did but... actually. I did get him to watch an episode of Kath and Kim because I thought it really would be his sense of humour. And he was, um, he was laughing all the way through it, and then just went, "I can't watch another one." And I was like, "Oh, uh, well, that doesn't really mm, okay." It's because he wasn't in charge. Yeah, I think so. That's why. I think so. Anyway, that's enough of that. Yeah, that's enough of that. Let's move on. What did we watch this episode? Cool. So I chose 2007's Gone Girl off the back of How Much You Love. Nope, I've got that the wrong way around. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, he's going to realise in a minute, right? Kept going. <laughs> I chose 2007. You can hear the cogs like <laughs> grinding. <was> weird. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, if there was a weird noise in the background, it was just Blake's brain catching up with yeah. his mouth. And I chose 2007's Gone Baby Gone. Yes. Based off the back that you really, really like Gone Girl. And I yeah. feel it's quite a similar, well, it's the same director. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of cast members that cross over, if I remember rightly, maybe one or two. I kind of fancied a rewatch because I've, I've seen it once or twice. Um, yeah. And I remember liking it. And like I like Ben Affleck gets Boston. I mean, I'm not from Boston, obviously. But every time he makes a film based in Boston, it's normally spot on accents and sort of shooting the city in a way that like we probably don't get to experience from other filmmakers and whatnot so yeah i think like that was kind of why i chose it cool so have you got a synopsis please i have oh isley's joining in the party hey buddy so the film stars casey affleck and michelle monaghan as two boston private investigators hunting for a young girl abducted from her single mother's apartment in dorchester Nice. Let's see some scores. DB is a 7.6. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes fans, 86%. Uh, 
and critics 95 percent cool so quite um, high then yeah like it's kind of, yeah it's quite liked um and some little f- reviews that i quite liked from rotten tomatoes fan reviews obviously this is a one star review this film was absolutely terrible do not be fooled by the high rotten tomato score there is a plethora that's why i chose it because of the word plethora of other films with lower rotten tomatoes and imdb scores which are far better some include red dragon the bone collector taking lives and seven open bracket yes i know seven has a lower score on tom's how close bracket to name a few watch those and said and if you watched all of those watch them again in fact watch anything instead of this some of the critics say gritty and thought-provoking but just no the film was highly unrealistic hard to follow the main protagonist was unrelatable and frankly the action sequences were abysmal don't watch as there isn't even any eye candy to be distracted by <laughs> yep he went there Whoa. yep and then a positive review that i quite liked uh, an engrossing and fully realised film. Can I, can I just say, I think he's probably verging on, I'm going to lay money on him being an incel. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to, yeah. <laughs> to uh, say, five-star review, uh, an engrossing and fully realised film that manages to tie all the narrative loose ends and still leave you pondering the morality and choices protagonists make. Casey Affleck and Ed Harris are magnificent. Amy Ryan brings so many dimensions to what could have been a one-note evil character. Great, great film. Cool. So very different. Yeah, very different. And yeah. So then, what stopped you from seeing this film in the past? Uh, well, the title sounds very similar to Gone Girl, mm. and I prefer Gone Girl. I mean, like you know, I love Gone Girl yeah. as my yeah, yeah. It's like it's kidnap should... missing movie of yeah. choice. It's yeah, yeah, really sure. easy to watch, yeah. and it's the the cast are brilliant. Mm. Um, and it kind of looked a bit dull and i think because probably because ben affleck is in gone girl and casey affleck is in this i probably was like subconsciously i was just like a pull ripoff of gone girl so i'm just not right bother. okay all right even though he made this before gone girl well i didn't know that because i'm not a fan girl am i oh, okay so, all right cool same shit you would know yeah all right no fair enough okay cool so what off the back of that what you probably wrap this up quite quickly but what was your preconceived idea of this movie um it's a bit difficult to articulate what I, what my preconceived ideas were because if you take the title very literally, it suggests that a child or a baby is gone, therefore kidnapped, which is exactly what happens in the film. Yeah. So I, I really didn't know. I thought, could it be like a bit of a loose sort of metaphorical title kind of thing or is it very literal? So it, I thought it could have gone either way. Obviously, they went with the literal. Yes. They went yeah, with the yeah. literal thing. Okay, cool. Okay, can you talk us through the opening scene setups, please? Yeah. So the credits open with shots of like Boston, the people that live there, and we hear a voiceover for the character Patrick Kenzie, who's one of the PIs, played by Casey Affleck. I think he's talking about like how much he loves the area and the people in it, and how he'll kind of work to defend them and. And help it's basically like neighbourhood community. Yeah, yeah, you see sort of families chatting, and it it looks very social, and it doesn't look the most affluent area, but it looks like people look out for each other and have each other's back. Yeah. So we learn that Patrick is a PI. And along with his girlfriend, Angie Gennaro, who's played by Michelle Monaghan, they see a televised plea by Helene McCready, played by Amy Ryan. 
for the return of her abducted four-year-old daughter, Amanda. Eventually, Amanda's aunt B and Uncle Lionel hire them both to find her. There's quite a disconnect between the family members, a bit like Daisy, Rose and Onslow, with Hyacinth and Richard Bouquet in Keeping Up Appearances. Are you okay? that reference <laughs> do you know when i wrote it i was like i didn't think it'd be that funny oh. <laughs> right <laughs> as you were <laughs> are you all right yeah i mean that reference i mean that was multi-layered yeah. i mean it was very typically British reference, yep. specific time, yeah. and just kind of just just really unexpected. What I mean by that is that obviously Amy's life path has sort of she uh, has led her to make different choices. She's a single mum. She obviously dabbles in drugs, and she has a string of kind of like unsuitable suitors. And Lionel and B look like they're a little bit more well off and they sort of take pride in their house and how they look so that it, it looks there is quite a, a difference between the two so patrick has a lot of links with criminals in the area and he finds out that helene and her boyfriend ray were addicts and drug mules for a haitian drug lord called cheese they make questionable life choices because they had recently stolen $130,000 from him. I mean, I'm not a genius, but surely that's a big no, stealing money from a drug lord. I just wouldn't advise it. Patrick then finds out that Ray has been murdered by Jesus' men and Patrick and Angie join police detectives Remy Bresson and Nick Paul in a plan to find Amanda, who they assume had been taken by Cheese. Helene reveals that she buried the money in Ray's backyard and tearfully makes Patrick promise to her that he will bring Amanda home alive. Nice. Thank you. So apart from the um, <laughs> genius of your comedy writing there, all on show, anything else you want to uh, talk about? Are you okay? Yeah. I'm Do you fine. need a it's, moment? It's stuck with me. I thought that that opening scene with like the kind of just the, I mean, I don't know. I've I've tried to Google where they just like were they actors or were they just real people that they kind of just said, look, just go about your daily business and we'll just film and you'll be in the opening scene. But right. it looked, it felt really realistic and it felt like you were genuinely kind of getting an idea about the community and how people support each other and you know you could see from the the swarms of people that were out when there were you know, police investigations going on at the house and, you know, they're making the, the plea for Amanda to be returned. You know, you really get the feeling that people were, were really upset and traumatised yeah. by it. Um, I have got written down in very big letters, Holly Flax, because it took me a while. I, for some reason, I just never remember that 
Amy Ryan played Holly Flax in The Office. So I get really excited when I see her. I thought the scene in the bar was a really good grounding for Patrick's character. I think when he's talking to Ray and he's trying to sort of find out, just sort of try and piece piece together sort of what Helene's like, what her movements are. Mm -hmm. Um, He's quite an interesting character because he's obviously got his roots in that area. But his and Angie's apartment's quite nice. They, you know, they, they, they look like they have a good standard of life. And he obviously makes a lot of money or he makes decent money from the PI mm-hmm. work that he does. So it's, it's almost like he sort of managed to break out of perhaps some of the norms that that area might set for people in yeah. terms of their life. Um, but he's also able to still communicate with, with people that are, you know, mm. different levels of society, I yeah. guess. So I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. There are office references in this nice. that I don't know if you noticed. Like, I, I can't think that they are in there by accident. No. So obviously you've got Holly Flax. Amy Ryan plays Holly Flax yeah. in the office. Her character is called Helene. Yeah. Who is the name of Pam's mum. In the office, who Michael dates before nice. oh, I didn't even think eight, of that. Yeah, well done. Before he meets uh, he meets Holly, I think. And also, <laughs> Helene mentions Nashua. Does she? Yes, she does. She talks about some somebody going up to Nashua, and it's like fucking hell. This has to be done. Maybe ben knew. Maybe he knew. He knew. Jesus, that's very clever. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, w- which came first, though, the office or? Um, well, this I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, I didn't check that out, did I? No. But it's definitely a link. Yeah. I mean, if it's even before if it's that, that's or not. Yeah, that's spooky. It's very good. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah, I thought it set up everybody really well. You kind of felt sorry for Helene, you know, with her daughter having gone, and and, and you, you kind of don't get a full glimpse of what her character was like at that point. I think. Yeah. Lionel and B look fairly innocuous, like yeah. they want to help. Yeah. Although they did feel, I, I felt that they were a little bit sort of high and mighty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I feel that, especially Lionel. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I thought it was a good, it was a good setup. Nice. I did find Angie's character a bit annoying all through throughout the film, but particularly at the beginning, because her face just seemed like her expression just seemed really unimpressed with everything, which I thought is a bold move for a PI. He's yeah. kind of helping people when they're their lost yeah. daughter. Okay. So yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, story arc and plot development, middle chunk of the movie, please. So Patrick meets with cheese to negotiate the return of the stolen money in exchange for Amanda. But cheese claims to know nothing about Amanda's kidnap. The next day, Captain Jack Doyle, who's played by Morgan Freeman, reads Patrick a telephone transcript of Cheese calling into the station to set up an exchange for Amanda. The exchange is held at a nearby quarry, but it's bungled. Cheese is killed and it's believed that Amanda falls into the quarry's pond and is drowned. Her doll is retrieved from the water by Angie and returned to Helene. Doyle, whose own daughter was killed years before, goes into early retirement following the public reaction to the incident. Two months later, a seven-year-old boy is abducted. Patrick receives a tip that the boy was taken by Corwin Earl, who is a known nonce. Earl is living with two married cocaine addicts, and Patrick breaks into the house and sees potential evidence that the abducted boy is being held in the house. He returns with Remy and Nick late at night to rescue him. Before they enter the house, the woman starts shooting and fatally wounds Nick. 
Patrick is chased into Corwin's room where Patrick discovers the dead child. He kills Corwin just as Remy arrives and they kill the woman. The following evening, an intoxicated Remy tries to alleviate Patrick's guilt and confides that he once planted evidence on an abusive husband to help the man's family escape with Ray's help. And then I've put this bit in red because it says then Patrick recalls that Remy had originally told him that he didn't know Ray. And I didn't remember that bit. Well, that's when Patrick starts putting them together. Uh, okay. I thought it was because of the fact that he coughs to planting evidence. Well, it is, but than... it's also, that's also the moment where uh, Patrick okay. starts to put, put, put two and two put, together and, together and starts working. linking up the the sort of underlying plot list that we see. Basically, okay. that's when it, the first that first seed is planted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's actually, yeah, that's that bit. Okay. I thought the plot development was a bit bizarre. So what? Because it's very like there's no twists, and and actually the twist that there is is not twisty. No, and also I did what I realised on this watch as well. I find the bit where they go to the house mm. a little bit of a mess mm. overall, and it felt a little bit out of kilter with the rest with of the, the tone uh, of the film. Yeah, with the cocaine addict. Yeah, it's just a bit like mm, I kind of get why they've done it in terms of it, but it felt a little bit. A little bit mucky compared yes. to t- like totally everything else. Yeah, it, it's always like it brought in a whole nother story line. Yeah. When it didn't really it like, need to. I understand that it, it kind of brought in questions about what's the right thing to do for Patrick. Yeah, of course. But I wonder if there was another vehicle that that could have, that could have yeah. arrived by that, that would have... Was- just been a bit better it's almost like what's happened is like we're driving down a straight road and then there's this big sort of bend that comes back to the straight road yeah just really out of place yeah i I was very like oh okay so obviously somebody's gonna have a hand in this girl going missing Mm. and then it was like oh no No. they've just Mm. taken it oh and now she's fallen into the left oh okay cool and i remember feeling really disorientated because it was very straightforward Mm. and i was a bit like oh yeah which then made me think there must be a twist coming or there's got to be more to this yeah. because it was all wrapped up really quickly, mm. that bit. It's really good at pointing out that doing the right thing isn't always black and white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was that was really well done. And I thought Ed Harris's character was fantastic. The speech where he's talking about planting the evidence and kind of, you know, if you're going to abuse a kid and you're going to do this, then that, then, yeah, that's... I thought that speech was yeah. fantastically mm-hmm. I agree. It tells the story that it needs to tell, but you were a bit like, why why are you telling it so like why am I not working for it? Mm. I didn't like I, that's what that's the thing is that I didn't feel like I was like, Well, what's that character want? And who's that guy? And oh, what's gonna happen with that? Mm. It was all like this is what's gonna happen and it was all laid out very neatly and I was like, Oh no, I'm not used to this. Yeah. Don't know how I feel. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I like there's there's still tiny, like bits in there that are still good, like mm-hmm. you, like Romy's dialogue, um, a monologue bit, and you know, like that ple- that seed being planted for uh, Patrick and stuff. I tend to agree with you. So yeah, yeah. nice. Okay, cool. Uh, closing sequences, end of movie, okay. mal- malarkey. So Nick does not recover from the shooting at the cocaine addict's house, and after his funeral, Patrick speaks to a police officer named Devon. He tells him that Remy lied to him about knowing Ray and Devon tells him that Remy and Doyle knew about Jesus' stolen money before Jeezy even knew it was missing. 
Patrick and Lionel meet in a bar and Patrick pieces together that Lionel and Remy staged a fake kidnapping so that they could take the drug money for themselves and teach Helene a lesson, which Lionel finally admits. So this bit, I remember Remy entering the bar wearing a mask, staging a robbery to interrupt their conversation. And Patrick realizes that Remy plans to kill them. But none of that, like, I didn't realize that that was to interrupt their conversation. I just thought that was Remy being a dick. Yeah, it was so that they didn't figure it out. Right, okay. So Patrick, to kind of diffuse the situation, yells aloud that Remy kidnapped Amanda. The bartender shoots Remy twice in the back and Remy flees the bar with Patrick chasing him down to the rooftop of a nearby building where he dies from his wounds. Patrick is questioned by the police and realises that Doyle is involved when he learns that the police don't use phone transcripts. Patrick and Angie take a trip out to Doyle's home and find Amanda alive and well living with Doyle and his wife. Doyle admits he was part of the kidnapping and helped set up the fake exchange to frame cheese. Patrick threatens to call the authorities and Doyle explains that Amanda will have a better life with him instead of with her neglectful mother. Patrick discusses the choice with Angie, who says she will hate Patrick if he returns Amanda to her mother. Patrick calls the police. Doyle and Lionel are arrested and Patrick and Angie break up, which I wasn't too sad about, to be honest, because I don't think she was on the same page as him. Patrick later visits Helene as she's preparing for a date. He learns that she has not made appropriate plans for a babysitter, so he volunteers to watch Amanda. Again, right, I didn't realise this bit. After Helene leaves, Patrick sits down and asks Amanda about her doll, Mirabelle, but Amanda says the doll's name is Annabelle. Patrick sits in silence, realising Helene did not even know the name of her daughter's favourite doll, realising that he might have made a mistake by bringing her back into that toxic household. Which I didn't get from that final scene. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God, did I just not pay attention? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did I just not pay attention? So, yeah, uh, the twist was like, I understand it, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't very twisty. And I don't know how much I I believe that Morgan Freeman is a police chief. I don't know if it's supposed to be super twisty. Okay. I think it's more of like the unravelling of the crime. Okay. it's That's why it's kind of a slow unravel. Is it more like the moral journey yeah, of I think it's the I think rather. it's the, it's the, I think it's the dirty underhanded ethics and the slow unraveling of the crime rather than a big twist that's what I think I think it's intentionally a bit not that twisty but it is the end point of the yeah. of the crime and yeah you know I think it, I think it, I think after the middle bit this film comes back on track with the ending and how it all finishes and what have you Sorry, it's just started chucking it down. Yeah, it's really You rainy. might hear the rain in the background. You can really see that Patrick's struggling to let go. The chat that he had with Devon, where Devon sort of says, if you fuck with the police, they will fuck you up. I thought it was a really nice touch because that kind of tied in with what Patrick was saying in the beginning, yeah. the opening credits of, of kind of like, I guess, why he does the work that he does. Yeah. Um, it's possible that he knows that the police aren't always trustworthy. Yeah, I think so. And he tries to do the best. Yeah. Um, and I think his loyalty to Boston is really admirable. To the community, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Angie, like, even at the end, when Angie and Patrick split up, Angie looked just like she was dead inside. Yeah. There was no emotion on her face mm. at all. And I just really... I don't... Um, I don't know whether she was supposed to be his moral compass. 
Like she represented the other side where yeah. Angie to Patrick. Yeah. But But I always felt Patrick was did the right thing. Maybe not. Well, he, well, so ultimately much, but... that is, you know, did he do the right thing? I think that's why I like actually do quite like this film is is the ending does leave you going, What would I do? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know whether Angie is supposed to bring like light to Patrick's shade. Do you know what I mean? Like she's there to represent the other side of his thoughts and the other side of uh, the other, the opposite of action. Uh, yeah, the opposite action to what he would pick. Because yeah. she said, you know, she, at the end, she's saying things like, if you take her back, I will hate you. So I yeah. think I wonder whether that that is her purpose is to to kind of like show him or represent another path, another choice, another a different decision that he could take. Mm. But I just don't. She just doesn't seem very engaged okay. as a character. Okay. So I didn't really warm to her. Fair enough. Um, I thought it was a really odd film, uh, but Casey Affleck was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely okay, brilliant. Cool. Did you have a favourite character? Yeah, it was Patrick. Yeah, just definitely. purely for his moral strength of feeling, I think. Yeah. I do want to give special mention to Ed Harris because all I hear about is how hot people think Ed Harris is. I think my mum fancies him quite a lot. Yeah. And I've never seen him in anything where I thought like, whoa, he can really act. Like... He's, oh, okay. And I just for that 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 scene where he's trying to justify his sometimes doing the wrong thing is actually the right yeah. thing to do. I thought it was perfection. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really, really well yeah. done. I really like Ed Harris. Yeah. But I think yeah, I think it, I think it just gave like I think because he is a very attractive man, I think he's often cast in like hotter older man yeah, roles. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this was something a bit different yeah, to what yeah. I'd seen and I was like, Oh wow, he's really kind of pulling the big yeah. guns out here. But no, I agree. I think um Casey was f- phenomenal in his film. Yes. And I think he's quite a good actor anyway. I like I've seen him in a few things. Like there's a film that I'll never make you watch because you'll hate it and it's a really slow western. It's called the assassination of the of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Okay. And Brad Pitt plays Jesse James and he plays Robert Ford and it's how he kills Jesse James. And it's really slow, but he's fucking great in it. Right, like, okay. It's like, two, it's probably three hours long. He's also great in Manchester by the Sea. Sorry, what? Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> like Western, three hour Western. And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have seen a little bit of Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, I haven't seen asleep. it all. I fell asleep. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, I hadn't really seen him in much before. And I, I'm not a big Ben Affleck fan. I do like Gone Girl, but meh, I could take Ben Affleck or leave him. Same as Matt Damon, really, uh, on the strength of this. Even though perhaps I didn't enjoy the film as much as... I enjoyed Casey Affleck's performance. I would search out other Casey Affleck films. Like, I'd be interested to see what projects he does next. Mm, Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Worst character? Oh, it was Angie, I think. I thought Helene was was really well realised. Okay, cool. And Angie just seemed very two-dimensional. Like, I think on some some level, Helene realised what she was doing was wrong. But I think she probably had very little choice once she got involved in the things that she got involved in. Um, okay. And I think Helene just had to be, she had to be that character 
because otherwise the film doesn't really tell us anything. Okay. Whereas Angie, I just, I just would have wanted a bit more conviction. Cool. Yeah, I mean, going off of what you base it on, I think for me it was Helene, just because she was so like nasty, but not because she was a psychotic. Just she just didn't give a shit. But I think you you didn't really know that right until right to the end. It's too late then, isn't it? No, <laughs> because the story is still part of the story. Hmm. If you look at the story overall, rather than like, you know. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. I guess. Did you have a favourite scene? It's the Ed Harris and Casey Affleck scene. I just thought that was really great where they were talking about doing the right thing, but or, or doing what seems to be the wrong thing, but actually for the right reasons. It's um, it's just such a grey area. I thought that was really, really well done. I think I liked the the first scene in the bar when Patrick and uh, Angie go to the bar for the first time and then yeah. get into that little tear up but Patrick is ready to defend Angie and I think what you see is a real representation of what kind of character yes. Patrick is you're, you're you're smart you're tough but you'll also do the right thing mm-hmm. and I like I'm like yeah cool good that's yeah. that that's that's what we wanted to see so I like that scene a lot yeah uh, did you have a worse scene probably the scenes that I missed the subtext okay not that it was subtext, but I just missed what the stuff, because I, I, when I read it back, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that makes mm. more sense now. Where I missed the nuance, put it that way. Yeah, well, it's, okay, cool. Yeah, I think, so as the film is finishing and you get whether Patrick should or should not phone the police. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that happens, he calls the police, and then you get, basically, like, for me, it's the it's worst scene for two reasons. So you get Helene in the scene where she's getting ready to go out. Mm-hmm. In some ways, could have done without that because we didn't need to know how nasty she was. Yeah. Like, but also we see how nasty she is. Yeah. And it's a, it's quite a difficult scene to watch because she's so fucking wrapped up in her little world. Yeah. And it is, it's like, it's like, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not very nice. Mm. So yeah, that was it for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, directors at work. So just as a director, did Gone, Baby Gone, Argo and The Town. I like all of those films. I really liked Argo. I know that they use poetic license with yes, that. Yes, they did. But I remember but watching it and being right on the edge of my chair. It was a very was good fantastic. film. And obviously we like Gone, Baby Gone. And we yes. both like The Town as well, don't we? Yeah, so, you've only yeah. seen it once. I saw it a long time yeah. ago, but I do really yeah. like it. So yeah, and I think, I, but I like Ben Affleck overall. I think he's a good director. I think he's a good actor. Um, I like him, kind of a fan. So, yeah. Cool. A score and soundtrack. So, it was composed by Harry Gregor Williams, if I'm saying his name right. Now, I found the music really good. I really like the use of piano, and I think there were some scenes where it really added to the scene of tension or threat. Um, Also, listening back to some of the soundtrack stuff, it's like a modern composition, so there's a lot of sort of synths and stuff involved as well, and I think I thought it was really good. Okay. I do not remember the soundtrack at all. Nice. It didn't win any awards. Amy Ryan got nominated for a Best Supporting Role. Oh, excellent. In the Oscars in 2008. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the only big one, cool. really. Um, and then we are on to... Dun, 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 fact. It's a good fact. Okay. It's a good one. Got him. Amy Ryan looked and sounded so convincing as a working-class Dorchester mum that a security guard mistook her for a fan on the first day of location filming and wouldn't let her on the set. 
One of the producers finally noticed her on the other side of one of the barricades and said she should be let through. The incident made Ryan 20 minutes late but convinced her the Boston accent she'd prepared was realistic. That's mad. That's, so that's cool, fucking cool. Isn't it? Yeah, that's wicked. Yeah. That's really cool. Did you fall asleep? Mm, no. Were your prejudgments correct? Oh. Yes, if I took it literally. No, if I didn't. Okay. And I don't really know what I did. Okay. Would you watch it again? I don't think I would. I'd rather, I'd, I'd search out other Casey Affleck work, okay, I think. Okay, cool. Fun thoughts. I thought it was a fantastic performance from Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. I re- I thought Amy Ryan was fantastic as well. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, we, to be fair, we didn't we haven't speak really, about her performance. No. She was brilliant. She um, was very, very good. And it was. it's so weird to see, because I know her so well as Holly Flack. Yeah, yeah. And being so goofy and polished. Yeah. Because she is very polished in the office. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird then to see her looking so sort of dishevelled yeah. um, in this. But I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, she was brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really um, yeah, I think overall it's a funny little film. It is. A little bit odd. Yeah. Um, But I kind of like it. I think it's it's not... It's obviously... It's not a bad movie. Far no, from being a bad movie. But it is... It's a bit strange in places. Um, yeah. And obviously has a lot of parallels with mm. the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. Yeah, as well. exactly. Well, they delayed the release of it yeah. off the back of that stuff yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a, it's a decent, decent film. But yeah, I'm not in a rush to see it again. No, either. No, I'm not. Square ten. Seven. Oh, weird. That's quite high. I'm getting six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah, you. yeah I will do. Well, that's Thank it then you. from me. Awesome. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Just a little plea. We have a new review. We're going to shout out to Hopsom Newkins. We have a new review from them, which is very pleasant and very complimentary. So thank you very much. Um, We have kind of slowed down on ratings and reviews a bit. I know that's probably down to the fact that we just took a giant diva break and we're like, we can't possibly record a podcast we couldn't possibly record a podcast but it doesn't help ratings and reviews we are working really hard to be regular and you can take that anywhere you like uh yeah we're working really hard to put out regular content and to kind of make this a priority because we've really missed doing it um and if you haven't already left us a review it would be really really amazing if you could leave us a review and a rating um, and if you do, just like the lovely Hopsom Newkins, I suspect I know who that is, um, we'll give you a shout out on the the episode that we record mm-hmm. straight after you leave your, your review. If you want to join the crew, you can find us on the gram. We are at Movie Grouch and Fanboy Pod, and that is all words. And we're on the book at Movie Grouch and Fanboy and the and is an ampersand. So the funny squiggly one that means and. That is it for this episode. What are we doing next, buddy? Going to go to a film. It's, it's come to me today because we might go and watch it, your mum and dad. So I was like, I need to pick something that wasn't going to be too horrific. Horrific and too. So we're going to go for a film called Equilibrium. Oh, is that Christian Bale? Yes. And it's a lot of black and white stuff. Not black and white, no. It's Christian Bale and he's a lot of black. It's a bit matrixy. A little bit matrixy, yeah. Right, okay. Okay, that's cool. 2002. Okay. It's like a 20 year old movie. Um, mm. But I've always, like, I haven't seen it for years, but the content 
the like the concept of the film's quite interesting. Okay. Because it's like a Stapian type future film, and yeah, could be good. Have, we could have a good conversation about it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You do know that I do love a bit of dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. So you might you might like it. We'll see. Cool. What we haven't thought, what we haven't covered is, do you think he did the right thing? <sighs> yeah, I think ultimately you have to do the right thing until the authorities step in. Your authorities step in. Hang on. No, what am I trying to say? Authorities, perhaps. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to get my point across a bit better. I think, look, he didn't do the right thing in many regards, mm-hmm. but he did the right thing in terms of the eye of the law. He did what he said he would do. Yeah. And actually, if you hold, ultimately... You could argue that it's Helene's responsibility to look after her children. Yeah, it is. And it's her not, child. Yeah. It's not his responsibility. It's not his. Um, and he did. He kept his promise yeah. to Helene. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it does raise questions of what, do you, you know, yeah. orally, is it the right thing? Yeah. Maybe not. Well, I mean, let's But luckily, it. it's a work of fiction. Yep. We could be here all day discussing this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you want to go and have a roast? Yeah, let's do it. All right, then. We're off to get a roast. We'll catch you later. Bye.